Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. How are you doing today, Jay? Great, Michael. I love your new office. It's nice. You like it? <laughs> it's very... Showing off my sensitive side. Exactly. It's your softer side. I didn't I'm realize you were in into, my masculinity. In, in, into that okay. style of music, and yeah. Okay. I like anime, too. Yep. Yep. Um, well, let's jump right into it. We've got a special guest joining us this week. We've got Chris Brandt, and Chris is the executive director of Music Heals, a charity raising money and awareness for music therapy. Um, music Heals has donated almost half a million dollars to music therapy programs across Canada in just their first three years. He spent three years as the president of the board president of the board of directors for Music BC, a nonprofit society administering endeavors such as the Peak Performance Project and the 2009 Juno Awards. Um, he has 10 years' experience with Universal Music Canada. He's managed sales, promotion, and marketing of over 6,000 releases a year. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's a that's a long to-do list, Chris. Yeah, that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't include the imports. Oh wow. So, so Chris is joining us today to sort of, you know, this is an inter- interesting discussion because we've never gone down this path with Music Biz Weekly, mainly because in, I've not don't have any experience with this. Jay really doesn't, and in the past, even um, Brian didn't. But correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Brian donate his CDs to Music Heals? He, he did indeed. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So past co-host Brian Thompson donated. What, a couple thousand CDs? I want to say about 6,000 CDs and DVDs, if wow. I remember correctly. Yeah, well, Brian was the head buyer of a giant retail chain in, in BC for many years. So he had an enormous collection of CDs and DVDs. And just one day decided, I'm going to throw these things out. Do you, do you want them? Do you want to do something with them? And it worked, actually, segueing right into what we're talking about, that was a perfect example of you know, someone working with a charity where we were able to create some pretty good buzz out of that. So I put it out to the music therapy community and I said, these are available and one rule, you got to take all of them. I'm not splitting them up and letting people cherry pick. And that same day we had the person, the music therapist who runs the program at the uh, Vancouver General Hospital burn and trauma unit. She's like, yeah, we've got space. We'll take them all. So the burn and trauma unit, she also gets funded by the firefighters locally called up a couple of the guys that are in the local calendar. There's a local brewery called Red Truck who are really supportive and been trying to think of ways to help us. Like, great, bring the big giant red truck down to Brian's house. So we had a bunch of firemen loading up Brian's CDs into the Red Truck beer truck. We called up CBC, the, the Canadian broadcaster, and a few other uh, news organizations. And we ended up getting national media out of this. Awesome. And really it was just, you know – it was kind of a nothing story of Brian was going to throw them out. Let's give them to someone that we can do some good with them. And actually Brian's girlfriend was in an airport in uh, Ontario and sitting there just on her phone and she hears his voice and she's like, what's going on? And up above the, uh, the baggage turnstile, they're running the national broadcast and there's Brian being interviewed about, yeah, I just, I wanted to do good with these things. And, and we got a ton of coverage out of the story. And what didn't come out in the coverage was the very next day, the music therapist told me afterwards that there was a, a new patient in there, had just been admitted, and had tickets to some 
big concert that night and wasn't able to go and the family's like, okay, you know what, like, we'll, we'll all stay in the hospital with you. We'll support you. And he's like, no, no, go to the show. And they, they wouldn't release him because he'd just been admitted. And uh, the music therapist went through all the stuff and happened to find a live DVD of that band. So she's like, you know what, crank up the tunes, smoke a joint. Just I'll make sure that no one comes in. And the family <laughs> was able to watch the concert video with the patient um, who had just been admitted to the hospital that night and really made a special night for them. That's so what happens to that, all those uh, CDs that were donated, what happens to those? We gave them to the Vancouver General Hospital burn unit. So they had a little lounge room, and Brian gave his shelves and everything, thank God, because that's a lot of product to just lay around on the floor. And they just put all the shelves in this one room and stacked them all up, and, and it gets shared by a couple other music therapists. I think there's one in the palliative care and one in uh, mental health. And so all the music therapists get to use that with their clients. And, and typically when you're doing music therapy, you're not just listening to a song together, but for the people who are – you know, you get a kid who's anxious staying overnight in a hospital, go grab a couple CDs and, and here's a player and, and just get yourself through the night. So, yeah. you know, getting their mind off of whatever it is that they're in the hospital for is tremendous therapy in and of itself. I mean, and, and, I, and I just, you know, the, the value of that many CDs and DVDs, the, the expense that the hospital didn't have to outlay Exactly. It's just amazing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's so, so great therapy. Yeah. So what can artists do to give back, to get involved with charity? You know, I think at, at, at its root level, all artists have no problem being involved with charity. I think the problem is they don't know how to get involved with charity. And which one? Yeah. Yeah. I think today it's a really big part of – the millennials, whenever they do surveys with, with people about how they view companies, and that extends to artists and everything, is that the millennials want to support corporations that are giving back to their community, that are doing something positive. And the corporations that aren't doing that are starting to get a bad name. And the power of social media where everyone's opinion is voiced, it, people are easily criticized that way or likewise easily celebrated for getting behind a cause. And with social media, it's so easy to do that. Uh, that really you can just send a tweet going, I think this charity is cool, and you're seen to be supporting them. So obviously the, the amount of support you can do is totally scalable, um, but there's sort of what can they do and, and why should they do it? So in terms of what they can do, for us there's lots of things. Just, you know, Using your tribe, using your audience – Wear a shirt of your favorite T-shirt. Hold up a sticker, you know, something that you're doing. There's the traditional things of just volunteering for whoever it is that you're working with. But, you know, artists are, are so good at collecting a community of followers and to be able to just expose that the work of that charity to their followers, that's huge. You know, for us, whenever we're working with someone and they offer to help, the first question is, well, what's the easiest thing for them to give? It's not always money. In fact, it's frequently not money. The easiest thing you can do is take a dollar off your ticket and give it to the charity. Like there's lots of things you can do if you're writing a check, but let's be creative with things that don't involve writing a check. And you the social media platform is massive just to raise awareness for, you know, shortened campaigns, for ongoing things. Um, and then getting to the other side of it of why they should do it. You guys know better than anybody, your proper social media feed. 80% of it should not be about you. 
if you're spending, I mean, 10% is even kind of, you know, the peak of you sh- of your sell and download this and buy tickets to my next show and check out my video. That 80 to 90% of not about you, what's a better story that you can get passionate about that isn't yourself? I yeah. love this charity. Check out the work of this charity. Here's their year-end video. Here's examples of what they do. Here's the latest photo of them in the hospital doing whatever it is that they do. So it's something that they you want to be emotionally invested in. To yeah. just pick a charity for the sake of picking a charity, people will see through that in five seconds. Well, I think you mentioned something that's really key, and that is that it's not always about money. Everybody has their own talents. For example, uh, I'm a photographer. Um, I can use that skill to help out charities. My daughter goes to high school, and they're required to put in a certain number of hours towards mm-hmm. charity work. And it can be, you know, sometimes they struggle to where are they going to go help? Where can they do the most help? But more importantly, to your point, where can they use the skills that they already have? You know, yep. and, and I think um, if you can kind of talk about ways that people can help Look, money is always good. You know, we all understand that. Um, using your socials to uh, spread the word, I think, is also very, very helpful. But what other things can, say, students do or somebody like myself who, you know, I've got other skills, whether it's being, you know, an independent contractor, I'm, you know, or being a, a photographer, whatever it is, what other things can people do? And how would they go about communicating that to help? Well, and, and let, let me let me add to that. So, you know, a lot of our our listeners are not major bands. They mm-hmm. they don't have tribes. They might be just starting out. They have no following. Mm-hmm. So they might, in the back of their head, go, "Well, I'd love to do something, but I have no audience that I could get to rally behind this charity and donate." Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah, I'd love to give you a dollar off every ticket to a show, but I'm lucky if I sell 10 tickets. Exactly. So they kind of feel like there's nothing they can do. So to to Jay's point, when you're at that level, what is available that you can still do as an artist, as a musician? I would spin it and, and change the conversation into how can it create an opportunity for you? We've got uh, one of the local artists that, uh, that we work with. Um, so we have a thing called the iPod Pharmacy. We collect old iPods. Um, Skull Candy gives us brand new headphones to go with them. Apple has approved the, our use of the trademark iPod in all of our communications in this campaign. And they've been really supportive about it. We buy iTunes gift cards and we give those to music therapists. So they use those with their clients all over the place. And we now have that running in seven provinces in Canada. As a touring artist, especially when you're getting out of your market and you're on the other side of the country, traditional media, they don't care about another singer-songwriter from the other coast. So one of our artists, for example, did a tour on the other side of Canada and rather than trying to promote his shows to a media audience that he knew wouldn't care, his, his media blast was, I'm collecting iPods for the Music Heals iPod Pharmacy. This is how they're used. They'll be donated to music therapists in this home province. And I'm collecting them at this show, this show, this show, this show. And he got ink. So even though his audience is, he's got a decent audience in Vancouver. He has no audience in Ontario where he was touring. He got media attention because his conversation starter was, I'm supporting a charity that happens to be at these concert dates that I'm putting on. Yeah. So if you're an artist that's trying to build your tribe and build your community, 
to build it around something that you're passionate about that isn't you, I expect you to be passionate about your own music. You better be passionate about your own music. You made it. If you're not passionate, it's probably not very good. So I feel like I'm being sold when an artist is talking about their music, as we all do. But start the conversation by, in the same way that you'd rave about your favorite pub or pizza place or another band, um, you know, that's how you get on the radar of venues. Oh my God, I love this venue, you know, and keep tweeting about seeing shows at that venue. And then you go to book your show at that venue. Like, wow, you promote every other show. What are you going to do with your own? We'll give you a, a Thursday or Friday night to talk about something that you're passionate about just creates that content. It creates that buzz that eventually someone might hit play on your music. Yeah. So as a I like that. I like that a lot because I've got a, I've got a drawer with a bunch of old iPods as people move to the cloud, whether you're an Android person or an iOS person, some of these MP3 players are collecting in a in a drawer, and oh. I think that is getting that message out. I think is super important. But what other things? I love the the CD idea. Mm-hmm. You know, um, is well, the there a drive for headphones? And go ahead. We, we get schools calling us who will say the grade threes want to collect iPods. You know, for us, it's fantastic because it, we're not asking anyone for money. So we can have kids get enthusiastic and do things, you know, for their community. And, you know, we, there's like a rich local high school where I'm sure every kid's got seven of them, um, you know, big private school. And uh, and they collected a whole bunch of them. And then they figured at lunch they would sell cookies and add some money to buy gift cards as well. Um, nice. So that's you know, to provide engagement tools that aren't just about donations. That one's a fantastic noisemaker for us. And everyone can get their head around you're in the hospital, it sucks, you'd rather be listening to your music than whatever else you're doing. Yeah. Never mind the science behind music therapy and what it does and how music raises the pain threshold. We all get that when we're having a crappy day, we want to listen to our favorite music. And it allows people to get engaged and do that. In Canada, Music Therapy Awareness Month is in March. So we're going to do a campaign across the country where we're just going to set posters up on our website that people can download, you know, typical eight and a half by 11 kind of thing, which everyone has a printer for, put it up in your school and office and say, we're collecting iPods for the iPod pharmacy, drop them off in the library or drop them off in the office or drop them off at my locker um, and collect those. And people can feel like they're giving back. It's not costing them a dime. You know what? And what, that can what, include uh, iPads too. Sorry, Michael. That can include iPads and iPod shuffles. It's across the board, right? Well, 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 will, you, will you take a Microsoft Zoom? <laughs> you know what? I have stuff that I Nobody have take no idea what it is. No, I'm going to start a museum when this thing is over um, because we accept everything because I want people to feel included. We had this kid that gave us a ghetto blaster one time. It was awesome. Um, we only use you know iPods because that way everyone has the same connector at home. And right. it's just there's an intuitive nature of everyone using the same platform um, and the headphones. You know, it's just all that kind of stuff. But we take everything, and I've got a basket of things. I don't even know what they are. I've never seen them before. I should post them online and see if you guys know what they are. Yeah, yeah you, you might. Should. You might have like the very first MP3 player. Who knows? Yeah. Oh. Um, I, I was. I, I was going. I was going to make a point that one thing that Chris illustrated. Um, we've talked about this many times on 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 the on the show here. Bands go. We need a. We need a publicist. We want some press. We want to do a press release. Mm-hmm. Great. Nothing wrong with that. But the first question I ask, and even a publicist is going to ask, is what's your story? Exactly. And nine times out of ten, the story is, well, we're releasing a new CD. 
And your answer is going to be, that's, that's not, a, not story. a story. Because everybody releases a new CD. Yeah. And unless you're the Rolling Stones or U2, nobody really cares about a new CD. And even today, you could argue that nobody cares about a new CD from Rolling Stones and U2. Yeah. Um, but what you just illustrated was putting a story out there. So nobody's going to care that you're touring. Everybody tours. Yeah. Your story is you're collecting iPods at every show and you're donating them to charity. That's a story. That's what will separate you from the 24 other artists who also sent in a press release to the same writer asking for the same coverage in the same magazine. Yeah. And they're going to look at you and go, well, this is a little more interesting. It's got a little more emotion to it. It's going to connect. And think about yeah, the emotion. Absolutely. It connects to the readers. I'm going with this band. I've never heard of them. I've never even listened to them. I've never seen them before. But I like their story. Yeah. That's what charity yeah. can do. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's underutilized. And, again, we had that one artist who toured through another province and was able to get ink because of exactly that, starting with the story. Um, and just the ability to, to fill content, you know, without even really doing that much. We had Crystal Bowersocks, who was, I think, the runner-up sure. for American Idol in American 2010. Idol, yeah. uh, she posted a photo two weeks ago of her wearing a Music Heels t-shirt. Last time I checked, she had like 2,000 likes on her, her Facebook page. I don't even know what the Instagram feed numbers were. But it was just a, you know, we were chatting with her. A mutual friend was like, you guys should connect can we send you a shirt? You know, do you, you want to get involved? She's like, yeah, what you guys are doing is kind of cool. Sure. Send me a shirt. Like, I'm not asking you for money. If you're inclined to post a photo, great. So she posted this great photo and that's how she's supporting us is just by raising awareness in the charity world. People don't give money to charities that they haven't heard of. You know, there's the ones that we've known since we were five years old, the Red Cross and the SPCA and all that kind of stuff. And and there's a philanthropic magazine in the States that tracks the top 500 charities. And in the last 40 years, the top 50 charities haven't moved on that list, which is completely different from how we do everything else in our lives, where if you're reading any Seth Godin books, how we're embracing the heretic and, and you know, for our our grandparents' generation, something that was established 100 years ago meant quality. Today, if there's a mom-and-pop coffee shop and a chain coffee shop on two corners, we're going to the mom-and-pop one. Like, Especially those of us who work in, you know, working with artists who are our artists, we're more excited about the passion of the tiny little coffee shop that might have some weird gluten-free cookie as opposed to the chain that we can go to anywhere. The one place that doesn't really permeate is in the charity world. So it really helps a charity just to get the word out for us. Traditional marketing says that you need to see something eight times before you recognize the logo or the catchphrase or the colors they use. So if someone's wearing a T-shirt for us and posted on Instagram, that's one. Right. And to your point, yeah, it might take eight impressions. But if you see Crystal Bower socks or Gene Simmons wearing this shirt, you're, or somebody in a movie, you're more apt to go, "Well, what's what's that?" You know, if somebody you respect and somebody you admire is supporting it, then I think you're more apt these days to support it. Which kind of brings me to my next question, which is, how do you plan to kind of grow this in other territories? Well, just if what you just said that that the question that I go for is, "What's that?" 
you know, if we can do something where we did a, a program with a coffee chain in the province here, we had 62 locations who collected iPods for us for an entire month and gave out a free coffee, and they had oh, that's a, cool. You know, they had a big sign right at the till talking about who we are, and and the guy, the head of the marketing team, when I first met with him, he's like, oh, I don't know how many iPods we're going to get. I'm like, I don't care. That's not the measurement. How many thousands of people at the end of the month are going to have walked out going, what's that? Yeah. If they ask that question, I win. So for us, the transition is, you know, I teach a music business program and, you know, worked for a label and owned my own label for a while. And we run the charity like a record label. How do we keep people interested in between campaigns, you know, the, the equivalent of an album cycle. Sure. There's the one or two times a year that we're doing big fundraisers. What's the content that I'm sharing in between that to just keep them interested, to just keep the conversation going? What's, you know, we're followed by music fans. So for me to post a Dave Grohl quote or a this day in music history kind of thing, that's interesting to a lot follow us. So I'm trying to keep, hopefully someone sees Crystal Bauer socks wearing a T-shirt. They follow us. Hey, these guys are interesting. And eventually jump on board. Do something. So I wanted to ask you a, a charity-related question here, and I don't know how to phrase this. So there's there's some artists that love to do charity, but they don't do it for the PR, mm -hmm. you know, and, and Jay, I mean, you've, you've heard this Gene Simmons and kiss are one of them that are notorious of like, listen, yeah, we, we do charity and you'll hear about it, but there's a lot of charity that we do that you will never hear about. We are not doing it to get a picture taken, holding a giant check. Mm -hmm. yeah. What, what's your feelings about doing it to get PR versus doing it for no PR? Well, I think it depends on what you're doing, and that goes back to the first question of how can someone who's maybe at the early stage of their career not making a lot of money get involved? At the Gene Simmons level, I'm guessing the work that he's doing for charity that's not getting PR is he's writing a check. I would imagine that he's financially supporting charities, and he's doing it because he has some sort of emotional investment and wants to support that organization. So the, the media side is really the opportunity for people who aren't writing a check. How can you help without making a donation? It's, you know, bringing your tribe on board. Um, so I, hey, if someone is supporting a charity in a way that's not raising awareness, it's probably financial, which no charity is going to well, say Well, and that. sometimes, you know, I've noticed lately with, we'll use Gene as an example, some of it involves, you know, hospital visits, a lot of which don't go to the media they don't bring a camera crew yep. you know they go in and they you know whether it's make a wish whether it's whatever it is um those kinds of things are very powerful and very emotional you totally. know and i yeah well i think that for us because we're really only you know we're just starting our fourth year as a charity we're still new so the value for us is to raise awareness for the charity and also what we do is music therapy and a lot of people don't know what music therapy is so half of our mandate is to simply raise awareness for music therapy so if someone's supporting the SPCA we kind of get it we, we know yeah. if they're giving a hundred bucks or a hundred thousand dollars you know what that does a lot of people don't understand what music therapy is or well, what is music therapy Chris I mean can you talk like at a high level um, 
for people who may not know what music therapy entails, like at a high level, what, what is music therapy? Music therapy, by definition, is only music therapy when it's performed by an accredited music therapist. So if the three of us were to go into a hospital with a guitar, it's entertainment. It might be therapeutic, but it's not music therapy. So it's a university degree, and it's There's using training music. involved. Oh, a lot of training, yeah. And it's using music and musical elements for non-music goals, which means that you might okay. be helping someone with anxiety. You might be helping someone raise the pain threshold so they can go through more painful procedures. People who are receiving music therapy that are in control of their own morphine will hit the button less. With preemies, the biggest thing with preemies is getting them to gain weight so they can go home. Preemies that are working with a music therapist will feed more. Um, in, uh, you know, in dementia, people who are forgetting the names of their kids can still remember lyrics of songs from when they were 12. And yeah. using music therapy can help to keep them in the room. In palliative care, we work with a children's hospice, and the feedback that we get from the parents is their greatest fear, other than the imminent loss of their child, is forgetting the sound of their kid's voice. So the music therapy sessions we do with them, it's all wow. recorded. That's so we powerful, powerful stuff. Legacy projects for them. In the autism spectrum, kids who won't make eye contact, won't make physical contact, will over time, it might take a year, will play call and response on a piano with their music therapist and might even high-five or hug him at the end of it. <laughs> we did a program. We've just started a brand new thing where we've got a recording studio that was donated to us. We've got some funding from a local broadcaster, and we're taking sick kids into the recording studio with a professional producer and their music therapist. And last week we had uh, developmentally delayed kids. So a lot of Down syndrome. And by kids, some of them raged. You know, the oldest one was 50. Um, and each one that came into the studio, we were recording cover songs and it was cute and they're playing bongo drums and tambourines. But I know there's always something deeper. So I asked the music therapist as I was standing there with our funder, like, what's this kid working on? What's the goal on this one? Because I can see they're having fun. Well, the first one was social anxiety. you know. So she went in with a friend. The second one doesn't talk at all to anyone. Put her in front of a microphone, she sings. She belts it out. One kid was working on articulation, so she would sing and they would play it back for her so she could hear what her voice was like. One kid, it was hand-eye coordination. He had no ability to do anything, so they brought the drum up to him for each beat. The last kid that I was there for, his dad just died. So he was like, just focus on the drums. Beat the hell out of the drums. We're just going to process tonight. So to the untrained eye, it was kids recording cover songs. Each one of them had way deeper and way heavier stuff that the music therapist was working on. And that's just one community. We fund kids, seniors, palliative, autism, dementia, rehabilitation, burn units, AIDS and HIV programs. It's across the spectrum. Let me, let me wow. ask you, so, you know, as you were describing all that, are things that musicians could do besides money – um, can they loan out gear? Can they go in there with the therapist and, and play the guitar and play the drums? Do they need to be a certified therapist in order to play, or can they go in with a therapist and have kind of be the we'll, accompaniment? We'll bring in celebrities, but the key to that is is the music therapy has to, the music has to resonate with the person. So there's a misconception that church music is music therapy. Well, to someone who's in their 90s, who, you know, everyone that you and I know that's in their 90s was probably spent a lot of time in the church. So to them, church music is, you know, is big in their life when they were a kid. 
I didn't go to church as a kid. So unfortunately, my music therapy is probably going to be Duran Duran or something ridiculous. You know, it's what, is, what music were you listening to in your formative years? So when we're bringing someone into a hospital, they've got to be a fan of the artist. So at Children's Hospital, we have everyone that wants to volunteer. But really, it's like, okay, the bare naked ladies are in town. We'll take them in the hospital because every kid in the hospital loves them. You know, so it's to volunteer is wonderful. Um, but there's got to be some kind of connection um, of why they're going into that facility. Okay. And and you guys are based in Canada, but yeah. if there's people in the United States that want to work with you, will you work with them? Sure. Yeah. I mean, music therapy is all over the place, and, and there's a huge contingent of music therapists in the States. And really, again, half of the mandate is awareness. A lot of people don't know what it is, and there's a tremendous misconception of music therapy. And I see it on social media all the time where I have my Google alert pop up, and someone's like, oh, you know, I'm listening to my Mariah Carey CD. It's music therapy. It's like, no, it's not. And that just muddies the water. Um, and there's a movie out right now that you guys have probably seen the trailer for, the Alive Inside movie. Uh, it's on YouTube, and the trailer's been out for a couple years now, and I think it's got over a million views on it. And it's this cute old guy sitting in a nursing home somewhere in the States, and he's non-responsive, and he's just slunched over and, and you know doesn't communicate. And someone came in and put headphones on him. And oh, yeah, yep. And he lights up and he's singing and all these wonderful things. Well, that's a great conversation starter about the power of music. That's not music therapy. And that wasn't a music therapist. That was a nurse who had a good idea. And in the video, you know, he lights up and they take the headphones off him. It's like, so do you like that music? And, you know, they found that he loved Cab Calloway. So they're playing Cab Calloway for him. And it's like, oh, he's my absolute favorite and reminds me of when my wife and I were dancing and I would take her and we'd always dance to Cab Calloway. And they're like, great, well, what's your favorite Cab Calloway song? It's like, oh, I'll be home for Christmas. So he starts to sing that. Problem is, Cab Calloway never recorded that song. That's a false memory. So the untrained eye is like, oh, isn't that beautiful? Let's make playlists for our grandparents going through dementia. And you see it online, like pick this Mozart song and this Celine Dion song. It's like you're muddying the water. That's not music therapy. And to suggest that you can make a playlist with 10 songs, it might be beneficial and your parent or grandparent might love it. But we need to right. clear up the line of, of what music therapy is. But to so, your point earlier, it really has to be. It's like any kind of regiment. You know, it's from trained professionals. And it's great absolutely. that music is, you may not use the word therapy, but we've all gone through rough times where music has been, quote unquote, therapy for us and really mm -hmm. helped us. But I can see how that can be confused with, you know, you hear the term, oh, well, you know, I'm listening to this album, it's cheap therapy. But what you're talking about is real medical therapy. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Ben Foles is a tremendous advocate. He does all kinds of stuff for it. And he's not coming through Canada. He's not supporting us financially. But every time he talks about it, it gives us a chance to share that with our audience. And it just adds further conversation and further credibility to, okay, we need to look at this. And in Canada, music therapy is not funded by the government. That's why we exist. We fundraise to pay for these programs that the government isn't funding. So any conversation about it helps us. Crystal Bowersox isn't coming to Canada and doing anything. Her posting a photo of her in a T-shirt helps us in different ways. Right. So, so, so let me just be clear then. So an artist down here in the U.S. 
could take donations of iPods and send them up to you. I mean, you're not sure. going to turn them down. Yeah. No, and, as long and, as they work. As long as they work. I mean, and they, they could run, they, they could associate themselves with your your charity, but they could be raising the funds here in the U.S. That, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. do you provide any kind of style guide or, you know, imagery, logos, those kinds of things that people that are that find this interesting and compelling can post on their socials, can make some t-shirts, can put up some boxes in their local coffee shops or whatever it is. Do you provide those kinds of materials for folks? Yeah, uh, someone was invested. I, you know, I'd want to have a conversation with them, and and you know the risk that the, the horrible side, which luckily is very infrequent, but you do hear the people who raise money for charity, and the money never gets to the charity. Of course, you know, and and we're really lucky that the message of music and the power of music resonates with people. We all get that music makes you run faster. We all understand that. So to to take that into oh, I can see how that would help someone in the hospital. It resonates with people. Um, and so, yeah, I'd want to have a conversation with someone, but absolutely. From a tax perspective, I don't think a Canadian charitable tax receipt is applicable on a U.S. tax return. Um, we'll write one for you, you know, if someone were to donate X amount of money. But uh, I don't know if you can hand those in. If you can, great. We issue who, them. Who, who, who knows? That, you know, that. You know that's for the band to to worry about, but you know, yeah, you know, really if if they're that. doing this and it's getting them some press for their mini tour, that might be the benefit. Absolutely. Or a compelling story, like you said before, Michael. You know, if you go to any press person, the first thing they're going to ask is like, you know, what's the narrative? What's the story that you're trying to tell? And if it's just about, oh, I'm going on a tour, I got a new record, you know, that's a yawn. But if you're like, I'm doing these things, but I've also got this idea I want to talk about, that's compelling. They'll want to give you some column inches for that. I like that. If you that. can add one more layer to that and say, you know, my grandfather had Alzheimer's, or yeah. I've got a, or I've got, you know, my cousin has autism or if you can add that element and I've seen how music affects them and the conversations that we just kind of bump into with people who say, yeah, you know what, I, I didn't realize what you guys did, but they'll, you know, we'll, we'll have a benefit concert and they'll come just because they want to see the band that's playing and the conversation starts like, wow, I remember when, you know, this one guy who just gave us a bunch of money recently was doing it for other reasons. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm just thinking when my dad was had in the hospital with Alzheimer's in his last couple of years, the only days he ever smiled was the music day, you know, and that wasn't even music therapy. That was just, let's get all the seniors in a room and hand out tambourines. He's like, that was the only day that he was like mentally there. Yeah. So it, yeah. to add that, if you're telling the story, you can add that personal aspect to it. That's tremendous. Yeah, and I think what you mentioned earlier is young people now are looking for more. They don't want to be sold directly to. Um, they yeah. don't like things that are too selly. And this is it's a good cause, and it makes sense, and it fits so perfectly into our lives, whether you're creating music or whether you're just a music fan or you have some extra devices sitting around. Um, I think that you can participate, and it's genuine and like I said, with the younger people, that's something that's very important to them. And that's our target market is the music fan. We all, everyone of us gets it. We're all music people when it takes us back to our grandmother's funeral or our first kiss or, or whatever. Um, so to, to explain the healing powers, like we understand it. And we do an interview series where when we get access to artists and we've sat down with people, you know, like Maceo from De La Soul and G-Love and, and just, you know, have you ever heard of music therapy? No. Okay, cool. 
have you ever seen music heal? And the stories they come up with are incredible. And they're, we're really lucky that everyone we've interviewed has been so honest. And the, the interviews with Maceo are incredible. He's just about in tears recapping a couple different things. And I asked him flat out, like, have you ever seen music heal? And he pauses and he's like, yeah, racism. What? He's yeah. like, as a kid growing up in New York, like music is what gave us a chance. Like it's that or playing football. Like that's how we got out. And that's how – you know, we told the rest of the world of what was going on in our communities. And now we got a president who listens to hip hop. And it was just insight that I'd never thought would be coming out of that conversation. Yeah. Um, and, you know, G love talking about him going through a breakup. And the only time that he was okay was when he was on stage, when he happened to be touring during that breakup. And yeah. again, that's not even music therapy. That's just the stuff we all resonate with. Sure. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's very powerful stuff. And you mentioned before, you know, music is the only thing that unifies us in the sense that it's played at weddings, it's played at funerals, it's our memories, you know, next to the sense of smell. I mean, those music memories are, are, are the most compelling. And you hear a song, you're immediately brought back to that moment. And uh, yeah, I can see how powerful that and is. Scientifically, there, I mean, there's the speech center of the brain and the math center. There's no music center of the brain. Music is everywhere. So when someone has a concussion or a stroke that damages one area of the brain, you can use music to rewire the brain. There was a local case of a woman in her early 70s had a stroke in the left side of her brain, knocked out her ability to speak because that's the speech center. And a music therapist was working with her after, you know, other physio and occupational therapists weren't getting any results. Music therapist came in and said, okay, you're early 70s. You probably grew up with the Beatles. Let's try Let It Be. Simple, repetitive chorus. By the third line, the woman was singing. Hadn't spoken a word since her stroke. And yeah. they used music to rewire her brain. She still can't talk, but she can sing that she is hungry or that she needs something. Crazy. And is now back in the room with her family because she sings what she needs. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Powerful Chris, stuff. How, how, can, how can people reach out and contact Music Heals? The website's musicheals.ca. Uh, we're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, Vimeo. We've got lots of videos on Vimeo that for people to share them is tremendous for us. Um, yeah, there's, uh, there's really just connecting online and, and follow along. And... If you're inspired to do something down the road, amazing, but just to be part of the conversation and see what we're doing. We have a campaign called Music Makes Me, where we ask people, what does it make you feel? What does it make you do? Just finish the sentence, Music Makes Me. So we have the hashtag Music Makes Me, uh, and we're, we'll be at concerts and music festivals, and, and we'll have signs where we just get people to hold them up. There's the hashtag, and it's, you know, Music Makes Me Laugh, It Makes Me Play, you know, we'll have them at, at, you know, beer festivals and stuff. And by the end of the day, the answer is I can't tweet those ones. Um, <laughs> but, but they're still fun to do. And so and we'll just, you know, we create content for the festivals because we'll tweet them with our hashtag and with the festival hashtag. And we're pumping up more content than they are. So the festivals love it. They're now inviting us to the festivals to be able to do these things. So to just create the conversation, again, March is Music Therapy Awareness Month in Canada, just to tweet Music makes me like what? Fill answer, you know, finish the sentence. That creates a conversation, and uh, to just raise awareness for what we're doing. Again, it's that eight times that people hear things. Yeah, a tweet from a band in in uh, Kentucky is one. 
Awesome. Love it. That's fantastic. Or a the, podcast in the United States. No, this exactly. is great, the, great this, stuff. This was awesome. Thank, you know, thank you, Chris. Thank you for reaching out to us on, on Twitter and, and, and making this happen. Oh, thank um, you. This was a great conversation. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys and, taking and the time. Best of luck to you, and we'll help you any way we can. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thank you. Take care, guys. Bye. See ya. That was an awesome conversation. You know, it, it, you know, as I said, he reached out. He reached out to us on Twitter. Um, you know, I, I I didn't quite know where we were going to go with this, and I just felt like it it was definitely something I wanted to have the discussion about. And um, yeah. you know, it was really good, very educational, very informational. Um, yeah, you know, I was yeah. I liked it. I'm glad I'm glad we took the time to chat. Yeah, about this me too. You know, do. I I've got a drawer full of some of these old devices. I'm just gonna send up. You know, and then we'll post on socials and hopefully help. I hope this movement continues to grow. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. You know, music is such a powerful thing. Um, and to use it for, for this kind of purpose just uh, makes me feel good. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would ask, ask our listeners a little bit of a homework here. If you've done anything for charity related to your, your album, your career, your music, let us know. Share 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 what you did, how you tied in some charity into your career, and how did it work out for you? I mean, let's let's share some share some ideas amongst ourselves here, and absolutely, and maybe somebody else can get inspired to do something. Yep. All right, guys, Good that's stuff. it. Till next week. Later. See you guys.